Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Welcome back to Inside Out, episode 12. Today's guest is Peter Mullen. Peter is a leading integrative naturopathic practitioner with more than 30 years experience in helping his patients achieve their health goals. Peter is extremely knowledgeable about the benefits of naturopathy and how it can be used to enhance our lives and prevent disease. In today's episode, Peter and I dive into gut health. Peter shares his extensive knowledge in the correlation between the gut and autoimmune diseases. We talk about what is supporting your gut and what might be harming it. And we also digress into gut health in babies and pregnancy. This conversation has so much to take in and it's filled with ways to improve your health starting from the inside out. It is one to sit down and tune into. If you enjoy this conversation, please let me know by sharing to Instagram or leaving a quick review on iTunes. Before we start this episode, I wanted to let you know about Mullen Health's Herb Bar. The first of its kind in the Hunter region, the Herb Bar is leading the way in over-the-counter natural health care. Focused on being a quick first point of call treatment option, the Herb Bar is ideal for those who are interested in having a taste into the world of naturopathy. The qualified naturopaths are on hand and ready to assist with practitioner-grade natural supplements, herbal medicines, and free advice. So they can help you with a range of conditions such as low energy, sleep issues, boosting immunity, gut health, children's health, anxiety, and lots more. If you are in the Hunter region and want to learn more, please head over to mullenhealth.com.au. Peter, thanks for catching up with me today. I've been really looking forward to this conversation because when I first decided that I wanted to start a podcast, you were one of the first people that popped into my head. I knew I wanted to share a conversation with you and what you do because of the detrimental impact you've made on my health and wellness journey. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Chris, and thank you for asking me. And I'm, I'm stoked to be in your top three. <laughs> um, the last six months, Peter, have been a really different time in all of our lives. And I know that, you know, you owning a business and working so closely with many clients in the health and wellbeing space. I'd love to know what the last few months have looked like for you. Um, look, it, it, it has been a very challenging time, I think, for everybody. Um, initially, when things first happened, we did... Um, our Praxor went and worked from home. Um, we were fortunate we could get JobKeeper like that to enable us to keep our um, office and admin staff employed. Mm. Um, we would have struggled without that. And while our Praxor worked from home and did video consults, we found a great free video platform that was amazing. So we could do re- consults really easily by video. Um, and then while our prax were out of the office, we got new carpet and new paint. So we tried to make the most of it. But I, I remember back to the early days of um, the COVID virus and just day to day there was – it was one, one thing I've noticed is that I think a lot of us have forgotten how stressful those early days were. Mm. We're getting a taste of that again now with what's happening in Victoria and I think it's good for us to realise that this has been probably a lot more stressful. But you know like the old story of the frog in the pot of water? Mm. 
you know, if you put a frog in a pot of water and you turn the heat up slowly, if the frog doesn't know it's getting cooked. Yes. You know, as if you chuck, if you throw a frog in a pot of boiling water, it knows straight away. I think with the coronavirus, we were all really stressed. Day to day, things were changing. Dana was talking to our accountant, I think, every single day about, you know, what's going to happen with JobKeeper and just different things. Mm. And then I think we all got into a bit of a complacent spot where we were adjusting to it and we didn't mind being – I didn't mind being at home more often, to be yeah. honest. And um, so then I think we forgot how stressful it all was and I think now what's going on, I think it's reiterating that. So I think it's been really important to sort of be aware of that, that this has been such a stressful time and I think we need to be doing things to manage our stress better. Yeah, absolutely agree with you on that. Um, I would love to know about your background in naturopathy. Um, when did you start your journey with embodying natural medicine? So I grew up in a family where health was a constant topic of conversation mm. and um, it was kind of natural then really when I finished high school I wasn't sure what I wanted to do I know I wanted to work with people I was really interested in health and a friend of my mother's daughter was starting at naturopathy college down in Sydney and I heard about it through her and I thought that sounded great so I was fortunate enough in those days there wasn't too many colleges around offering a diploma in naturopathy in those days and they were all fully um, self-funded as well so my parents well, I was fortunate that my parents could afford to pay for my tuition. Yes. I think it was $16,000 or $4,000 a year for four years. And, um, yeah, took off to Sydney and studied and here I am 30, 31 years later on. That's awesome. It's so exciting. You're doing so much, especially in this area. So I want to digress, Peter, this conversation towards gut health um, because I feel like it's a widely exciting topic right now in the health space. Gut testing, I feel like in today's society, we have so much power in terms of information and resources available in our pockets. And we really are our own investigators a lot of the time. And self-diagnosing things like intolerances to particular foods, which can be really conflicting in, in terms of trial and error you know dr google has become almost second nature when something doesn't feel right for us physically but this can like you know with incorrect and conflicting information which in turn can be detrimental to our health for people who might be at the infant stages of their health journey and want to know more what is gut health good question and um there's quite a few good questions in what you mentioned um i think for me good gut health is basically having no gut symptoms you know, like um, so many times, like one of the most common things that um, patients will talk to me about when they come in for a consultation is, you know, their gut symptoms. Like a, every patient we see has gut symptoms. You know, bloating, wind, bowel variability, heartburn, reflux, um, even symptoms like tired after meals. We relate back to gut and blood sugar balance. Even sinus and hay fever. If someone comes in with sinus or hay fever, to me that's an indication that their gut is not happy. So... You know, even before we look at all the other myriad of symptoms associated with poor gut health, um, to me, yeah, having poor gut health means that you're getting symptoms. You know, you eat something and you feel bloated afterwards or, you know, you eat something and you get a headache. Like there's so many symptoms associated with gut health. Mm. that um, Yeah, it's hard to know where to start. But, yeah, definitely um, having good gut health means that you don't have any digestive system. You know, you don't get heartburn or reflux. You use your bowels you know, one to three times daily. There's no straining, no effort. Yes. Um, you're not getting a lot of gas or wind. Mm. Um, yes. For, food for me is 
quite present in my stress response. So I am quite inclined to emotionally eat, which has unveiled, if I'm honest, my very poor relationship with food, um, which I could go on for a whole other podcast on that. But it's been a decade of yo-yo dieting and poor habits, gut health habits, um, and as a result have really impacted my gut health. My first time being introduced to you, Peter, and um, naturopathy was maybe five or six years ago. And that was when my gut health was at its worst. And to share my experience now, so those listening can gain insight into some of my health issues, which may resonate with some listeners. I was using laxatives weekly because of the issues with my digestion, but I was cutting carbohydrates and cutting out food groups six days a week. And then, you know, on the seventh day, also known as a cheat day, they'd call it, binging on pizza, chocolate, ice cream, whatever, I was eating it. And, you know, they labeled it a diet, but all it done for me was mess up my skin and stop my digestion. At that time, I saw specialists who couldn't give me a definitive answer. I had a colonoscopy, which was inconclusive. And then I started the self-diagnosing process, which, you know, I was trialing warm lemon water with apple cider vinegar, bone broth, all the gluten-free, dairy-free, then high fats, no fats, pharmaceutical brand, herbal remedies. You know, my trial and errors were a nightmare. Um, I was then recommended to you and we started investigating a range of issues. Now, one of the first things I recall you doing with me was the eye test, which I might yet get you to go into in a moment. But I'll never forget you getting out a booklet of different eyes and their patterns. And you said, Carissa, you are on the verge of a breakdown. Your stress levels are extremely high. It's no wonder your gut is responding how it is. So this was a really profound moment for me and my health and understanding the impact that stress has on my digestion. And um, you put me on a couple of different prescriptions and within a month, everything had settled. I felt less foggy in my mind. My bloating had ceased. My energy had increased. And again, in three months time, my digestion was back on track. Um, And again, just for those that are perhaps in the infancy of their journey with their health, but are noticing, you know, that their body is rejecting certain foods or lifestyle changes. What are some simple and effective ways of managing gut health that you can suggest? Well, look, I think um, a couple of things there, like getting tested, finding out what's going on. Mm. Like um, probably one of the most common gut health symptoms we'd see is um, irritable bowel. Mm. And it's often a diagnosis of exclusion, you know, exclude everything else more serious and then you end up with an irritable bowel. Mm -hmm. But um, what people don't realise is that gut health, like irritable bowel, chronic irritable bowel, which is what you had, is a pattern of inflammation in the gut wall itself. It's actually a functional problem that occurs as well as related to food intolerances, not digesting food properly, etc. So what the stress does is it interferes with the normal functioning of the gut. So that normal peristaltic action just gets interfered with. And, you know, it's not, you know, because I'll have patients come in that have a fantastic diet and yet they've still got really chronic irritable bowel symptoms. So... Stress is a major, major factor. But first off, getting getting tested, um, you know, finding out, you know, if you do have food intolerances, I find is really valuable. Um, we can do stool analysis tests, which look for how well you're digesting your food, whether you're breaking the food or digesting the food properly. Um, we have a great test where we can actually look at the balance of bacteria in your large bowel, mm-hmm. see what your microbiome balance is made up of as well. And what's really interesting with one of my clients recently, we did a, um, a microbiome test and we found with her that she had a lot of bacteria, too much bacteria in her large bowel that could digest fibre but could also digest protein. Wow. And they were more 
protein digesting bacteria then fiber digesting bacteria in her microbiome so she was eating a diet where she was having a lot of protein but she wasn't having enough fiber wow so the balance of bacteria had shifted and the bacteria associated with more, digesting more protein release more gases and toxins that can interfere with the peristaltic action of the bowel that's incredible that so you can yeah find so that out. it's great now we can dig a lot deeper into so when you change and the, the interesting thing with that microbiome is changing the diet so number one tip for people that have irritable bowel is to make sure you're getting enough of the good type of fiber because if you eat the right fiber, you'll encourage the growth of the good bacteria that may then turn the table on the bad bacteria and you're going to start to get better function. To compare the straight two away. As, as foods for something simple for, for people to inject, yeah. what's a good fiber? So, well, interestingly, there it's recommended that ladies particularly need to eat about thirty grams of fiber a day, and an apple, as for instance, is about four grams. Wow! So, if you've got to eat thirty grams, you'd have to eat, which you wouldn't do it. But so, good fibers will be like your whole grains. And again, it's really interesting because what you were talking about before your early diet of low carb, more fats, more protein, more of a keto sort of style, really took all of the fibrousy vegetables out of your diet yeah you know carrot um um sweet potato um pumpkin all of those real good starchy root vegetables that give us really good fiber um that type of diet would also take out things like your brown rice your quinoa um like these fibers are really good for those good bacteria as well and then you've got like your nuts and seeds like your almonds um, etc but it's not a bad exercise if you want to check how much fiber you're having in your diet um, go through and just do rough calculations and you can get on google and find out how much fiber in an apple how much fiber in half a cup of lettuce and sort of go through and just work out whether you're getting up to that 35 grams yeah, a day so the other thing that's um really important i'm finding a lot with people is to try and work out like one of the um, signs that your digestion is not working well is your transit time how well like if you eat food tonight for dinner when that when that waste is going to be coming through mm. so a really great exercise you can do is i call it the the corn poo test mm-hmm. so you have corn on the cob for dinner and then if you so you corn on the cob for dinner then you know it when it first shows up in your yeah, wow. poo yep. and when it last shows up in your poo so say for instance if you eat meat, and pe- this is the argument people have about should we be meat eaters or vegetarian, if you've got a sluggish transit time, then eating meat's going to be a lot more toxic for you because the residue stays in your gut longer. So if you have a steak and corn for dinner and then you go to the toilet the next morning and there's no corn in that poo mm-hmm. and then you don't go for another 24 hours, you've now got a 36-hour bowel transit mm-hmm. where that meat residue is going to be sitting in your gut for a longer time wow. period so yes. you kind of want to to really have good gut health you want to make sure that transit time is about 12 to 18 hours mm. you know maximum really easy way to do that with children as well to get an understanding of where they're at with yeah their gut yeah health. yes yeah so and with kids we're seeing one of the most common problems i'm seeing with little ones these days even babies is chronic 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 constipation mm. which just shouldn't be happening with breast milk and no. you know early diet so yeah it's a big 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 problem that's sort of you know getting worse i think in some respects yeah absolutely and i think with all of 
the um, processed foods now in the supermarkets and how well they're marketed to us just grabbing them on in the health food aisle or whatever because you think you're in the health food aisle, it's healthy, yeah. I'm just going to grab this. It's You know, you quickly read the back, it's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Or it says the word organic on it. And as soon as it's labelled organic, you're like, oh, it's healthy. Yeah. My kid can have it, but it could be doing more damage than not, you know. It's also also a bit like um, gluten-free stuff these days as well. Like a lot of people eat gluten-free thinking that it's healthy, but unfortunately a lot of gluten-free processed food is mm. exactly that, processed food that has extra sugar and fats. And, yeah, you know, yep, so definitely. You, just, you do have to be a bit of a detective. You do, mm. definitely do. But I think seeking a professional like yourself and letting you be our detective rather than us diagnosing it with, you know, Dr Google because we've just fallen into that poor habit of doing so and sometimes we're just causing more harm than good by trialling and erring all these different ways but they could be cutting each other out, you know what I mean, and not actually fixing us. Yeah, I think sometimes um, what's really important is having a bit of a plan worked out of what it is you're trying to achieve. Mm. Like rather than try and do 10 different things at the same time, um, doing a bit of a triage of, you know, where are we going to start? Like a lot of my clients, um, when talking about gut health, one of the first things I say to all my patients is like digestion starts in your mouth. So really, you know, chewing well and eating slowly. And I'll say to patients, how many times should you chew food for? And people will say uh, three times, six times, eight times. But if you... Literally, next time you're eating something, particularly meat, if you count how many times you chew and your reflex want to swallow, about eight chews, mm-hmm. six or eight chews, but don't swallow. Keep chewing until the foods are paced and it's about 20 to 30 times Wow. per mouthful. Wow. So chew well, eat slowly, and I always say um, make sure you're drinking your two litres of filtered water at least every day. Mm-hmm. And really important is don't drink and eat at the same time as well because – a lot of digestive issues happen because we're not digesting our food properly in the first place. Like we're, you know, we're, as we get older, we lose stomach acid. Like at 50, it's normal to have half the stomach acid you had when you were 20. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, if, yeah. if you, so this is really, as we get older, we need to eat less food mm-hmm. and we need to eat more easy to digest food, which back to my grandparents' day was a cup of tea with um, toast, you know, <laughs> dip dinner. So I don't mean that, but... um. Yeah, we need to eat less food. At, at 50, we can't eat the amount or what we did when we were 25. We've got to eat more whole food, smaller portions and retrain ourselves. Yeah, wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Um, but those are some really helpful tips. So those are definitely ones to inject for sure. Um, just going back to where I mentioned that your diagnosis in my gut health was to do with my cortisol levels being high and stress being a key contributor to my gut issues. There's also some fairly, fairly strong correlations between our gut health and things like autoimmune disease, skin health, inflammation of the body. Can you talk to us more about this? Yeah, look, from from a... Um and, and you're right, when you did come to see me, your stress levels were really high. <laughs> and I know from when I did iridology with you, you are what I would call an AT, an anxiety titanic type. Yeah. And ATs uh, will argue with me. I don't think you did, but they'll <laughs> argue with me that they're not stressed or stressful people. Yes. But they're highly strung, always mm-hmm. busy, always on the go. Mm-hmm. You know, people come to them and tell them all their problems because... You know, ATs are the ones that try and solve everyone else's issues. That sounds about right. I just <laughs> called it my Wonder Woman hat where I flick on my hat and I'm just everyone's person. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's that's the good point when it comes to with health generally is like we need to remember that, that everybody needs to be their own best health expert, like work out 
you know what works what works for you because what works for you won't be what works for your mom or for your girlfriend that can you know eat what she wants and never nothing's ever an issue mm. so yeah working out what works well for you um so from a naturopathic point of view we we believe gut gut health contributes to you know all health conditions um and one of the reasons this can happen is through um if there's chronic irritation to our gut wall um, you can end up with what's called a leaky gut and this is quite well founded now that with um, repeated antibiotics stress uh, alcohol caffeine there's a lot of what we call gut disruptors that we all unfortunately ingest on a regular basis mm. 60 to 70 percent of our immune system is based around our gut so when we talk about autoimmune if there's gut wall inflammation not only does food hopefully digested protein particles and food cross into our bloodstream but we can also get toxins and product from the gut also leaking across that shouldn't now our immune system copes with this for a certain amount of time but what seems to happen with autoimmune is that we get to a certain point and maybe there's a traumatic event or we might go to barley and get barley belly you know some sort of trauma to the gut and then when we come home all of a sudden we're being diagnosed with an autoimmune condition so there seems to be that the immune system can cope with gut wall inflammation irritation for a period of time but then it reaches critical mass and if you're genetically predisposed towards say rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or Hashimoto's because we suspect that autoimmune runs in families so there's a genetic predisposition then um you know some sort of trauma event stressful event or whatever can actually trigger then your immune system somehow gets confused and starts to think that your own tissue is also a foreign object that needs to be dealt with and then your immune system starting to attack you know the collagen in your joints or it starts to attack your thyroid tissue or in lupus it's, it affects connective tissue in your organs or your skin but it seems to be this this autoimmune confusion or this immune confusion or autoimmune happens as a result often or is contributed to by that gut wall being irritated or inflamed and then the immune system gets overloaded and the genetic predisposition. What, what is a way that we can protect our gut from this happening other than foods and eating a certain foods? What are, is there supplementation or things that we can protect ourselves with? Well, it's, it's interesting. Like the, all this work, one of the really big growing areas when we talk about our gut health. So, so just to back that up just a little bit. So um, the big research at the moment is all about the microbiome and they've been able to map all the different bacteria that can live in our gut. And from a whole health point of view, before we even get to that, you know, gut, we're talking about chewing well, stomach acid, digestive enzymes, like you want to have a healthy pancreas producing pancreatic enzymes, you want a healthy liver and gallbladder. So there's lots of ways the digestion can be can get affected. And what happens in the top half does affect what happens with the bottom half. Mm -hmm. Um so when we get to the so the microbiome like that, our gut flora is not what it was a hundred years ago, and we even have totally different species to what traditional tribal African people have still living in their natural environment. So there's some thoughts that as our microbiome, as we're losing species, a bit like you know on the planet we're losing species in our gut, we're losing species. No one knows long term what the consequences of this might be. So having a healthy gut microbiome like making sure that your digestive system's working really well. So as we get older, you might do the lemon in water first thing in the morning, you know, with a straw because we want to look after the enamel. Um, maybe apple cider vinegar, 
vinegar and water before dinner to make sure where you are stimulating that proper digestion. Um, eating the fiber to really encourage the good bacteria. And then I'm a really big fan of taking a probiotic as well, an appropriate probiotic. Um, so you can take prebiotics, which are the foods for good bacteria, and you can do that either with your fiber supplement, with your fiber in your diet, or you can take a fiber supplement. Um, or there are other prebiotics that you can take as well. And then taking a, a specific probiotic, how probiotics work is different to what was first considered as well. People used to think that if you take an antibiotic, it kills all your good bacteria, and then you want to take a good bacteria to put all the good bacteria, a probiotic to put all the good bacteria back in your gut. So we know that's not true. We know if you take an antibiotic, it will knock down the load of bacteria. If you take too many antibiotics, then you may get the growth of bad bacteria in your gut. But when you take a probiotic, they don't actually stick to your gut wall. What they do is they influence the other bacteria that are there. So probiotics will actually release chemicals to kill out bad gut bugs and they'll release chemicals to encourage the growth of your good bacteria that are also there. And the benefit of taking a probiotic lasts for about five to nine days after you finish taking one. So if you've got chronic gut issues and have for a long time, you really pretty much need to be taking a probiotic continuously mm. and or doing the fermented food thing as well, which works in a very similar way. Mm. So like sauerkraut and things like that? Yeah, sauerkraut, kombucha, like good quality um, fermented foods because, again, they're contributing. They don't contribute bacteria that stay in your gut, but they influence the gut in we're trying to influence that environment like that where those gut bacteria live because the balance of those gut bacteria, they release chemicals, intermediates that get released into our system that determine how well the bowel wall is going to function or whether um, we're going to be more inflammatory or not. Like they're just finding out now about all the chemicals that our good gut bugs release that you know might affect our anxiety and depression as well. So Yeah, wow. It's yes. so interesting, isn't it? It is. And if you think about like your gut, gut environment as being like an environment that you're trying to keep as like a healthy rainforest mm. you know you don't want it to look like a trashed yes. you know um stormwater drain with <laughs> shopping carts sticking yeah. out of it and you know weeds <laughs> everywhere yeah definitely we want to take care of ourselves for sure you mentioned a little earlier about um gut health and issues that are should, sorry that you're finding in children now and even as young as babies um as you know, I'm a mum of two little ones and I have a beautiful three-week-old little girl at home. But something that has surfaced for me in both of my pregnancies was am I providing enough gut-healthy bacteria to pass on to my baby's gut health? So I'd love to know how can we prepare our gut for pregnancy and for our babies? Yeah, look, I think it's a really, really important point and um, congratulations on... Thank you. Little Lola? Yeah, Lola yeah. May, yes. Three weeks old. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, the, the, the thoughts are that, you know, our gut, our children's gut flora comes from basically mum mm. and it's through that birth process. And it's, it's a challenging area because a lot of women do have to have caesareans for what, all sorts of different reasons. And, you know, uh, I don't want any mums to feel guilty about what they've had to, yeah, had no, to do. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But, um, yeah, so the thoughts are that um, immunity and gut health is passed from mother to baby through the birth process. Mm -hmm. There were some thoughts about maybe the placenta is not sterile, but I don't think that's been. I think that's been debunked. I don't think there is a bacterial balance in the placenta, but it's an interesting area. Mm. 
So the way the babies get inoculated with bacteria is through the vaginal canal, any feces in the area, actually as they come into the world, you know, fluids pumped out and then they take on board bacteria. Mm-hmm. And then the next stage is, so the healthier mum's gut flora, the healthier mum's vaginal and birth right. canal flora will be as well. So mm-hmm. we talk a lot about with before con- even trying to conceive to do a bit of a detox and a clean up and then do a four-month preconception period. We really we want to be having good gut health for a couple of years before trying to have babies because it can take a while to really get that balance right. Mm. Um, so you want to have good gut health, and we know now that there's a, a microbiome in the milk ducts as well. So there's a bacterial balance there. So when mums wow. are breastfeeding, and they get that lovely colostrum through first, that encourages the growth of the bacteria that have been inoculated with, and then hopefully. And this is where mums that have had caesareans can really make a difference with their baby's microbiome is to put a little bit of a pro- good quality probiotic on their nipple before they feed or start to supplement from an early age with a good balance of probiotics so the baby starts to get that um, build-up of good bacteria along with mum's colostrum as well. Um, and then, yeah, mum, you know, keeping healthy through the pregnancy, breastfeeding for as long as they healthfully can. Yes. Um, yeah, it can go a long way towards making sure that the babies... Because what I think the reason why, and this is just my thoughts, but I think the reason why we're seeing so many kids being born and being diagnosed with nut allergies and egg allergies and chocolate allergies, I think, is because they're not getting that immunity set up properly in the first place. Yes. And that, you know, if mum's gut flora is lacking, her um, birth canal flora is lacking, then I think the children aren't getting the good balance and immune setting up that they need and I think then they're more reactive to things. Yes, um, to share something that I experienced with my son Jesse who's now 18 months old that I've had been relatively dairy free sorry for a good few years only because I noticed how it didn't sit well with me. It makes me feel really lethargic and my skin often breaks out so when I consume it I you know don't get me wrong I do consume it but just not you know, traditional cow's milk and things like that. I use alternative milks and ice creams, um, but, you know, I'll have cheese every now and then. Um, but when I was pregnant with my son, I didn't consume a lot of dairy. Now, I didn't, as I said just now, I didn't avoid it entirely, but didn't, you know, have a lot of it. And when we stopped breastfeeding, sorry, by we, I meant I, not my husband, he wasn't doing it. <laughs> but when we put Jesse on a bottle, um, we did research what to formula to use. And I ended up going with, I think it was um, Bellamy's Organic Formula. Now, he did end up in hospital and suffering with constipation after a couple of days on the bottle. He took the bottle fine. The first day he was fine, but, you know, 48, 72 hours later, he wasn't fine. He um, was really unwell. And they weren't too helpful. So I phoned you on the Monday, which was the next, one of the next mornings after being in hospital, and um, you said to me that his little body hadn't had that much experience with dairy before. And while he might not be intolerant to dairy, he could simply be sensitive to it and his body is just showing that reaction you recommended swapping the full cream milk-based formula to a goat's milk formula and straight away he was fine. He Mm. took the bottle, he digested Mm. food and he was fine. It was something just so simple that, you know, all of these practitioners could have simply said and we would have fixed the problem but no, everyone just said send him home and he'll go to the bathroom. Eventually I think they gave us some laxatives and I was very cautious as to what I was putting in him at that point because he was so young. I think it was about 12 weeks at that stage. Um, but it is something that I feel like mothers just don't have enough in information surrounding. So it's really cool that you've got so much information now to give that to give and educate new mums. Look, I think um, for me, my passion with 
with new mums is to sort of help inspire and motivate and educate them to become their child's best expert. Mm-hmm. Like mums do know when something's not right with their kids. And I think a lot of um, mums of all ages have just lost that bit of confidence. I think that confidence has been taken away from them a bit because, you know, of advertising and, you know, how we've set up the medical system a bit. And, um, you know, I see mums all the time coming in saying, look, I've been everywhere, no one can tell me what's wrong, but I just know something's not quite right. Yeah. And um, often it's around gut gut health for sure. So, but, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of babies that, and, and often it's a bit commonsensical too. Like if you look at the timeline and you think you're breastfeeding and you're fine and then you've introduced this food and now you're not. But mm. it, I basically said he'll get used to it, he'll be right. Yeah. He sent us off and I'm like, he hasn't stopped crying for 12 hours. Yeah, We're not okay. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's too stressful for everybody. But, yeah, the, like I always say that, you know, with the body that science, or naturopaths say this, that signs and symptoms are the body's way of telling us that the thing's aren't quite right for that person at that time. And I know us naturopaths get a bad rap that, and we probably deserve it because, you know, we want to get everybody off gluten and dairy, but only to see if it makes a difference. Yeah. And if dairy's fine, you know, reintroduce it and work out what you can tolerate. And same with same with gluten. Like mm. not everybody has to be gluten free, mm. but probably not everybody needs to be eating you know, milk, cheese and bread every day too. Absolutely. And the funny thing is with my gut health and, and taking it back to um, my experience, I now have little doses of gluten and wheat. And you tolerate it. And I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally yeah. fine. Um, and same with dairy. It's just small doses, everything in balance. And But that's just what worked for me and yeah. my body. And I figured it out after so much time, medication, supplements and trial and error. But, you know, with your help and education, I definitely went down the right direction finally and I was able to work that out. And now my body's just so in tune with itself, which is really cool. Well, you know the old, um, the old sayings are so relevant, aren't they? Like, yeah. you know, we really need to start to listen to our gut again. Yes. <laughs> you know, the reason reason those old sayings are there is because we just we know when something's not quite right and absolutely gut instinct. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go with it, don't you? <laughs> Trust your gut. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I like it. So Peter, um, I wanna ask you, recent studies suggest that we should be incorporating thirty different plant based foods per day. What are your thoughts on this? I would love to hear what you think about this. I think it would probably do your head in if you had to count thirty different yeah. types of plants a day, but or plant-based food, but I'm a, I'm a big fan. Like I really believe the ideal diet for us humans is as high a plant-based diet as possible, mm-hmm. whether it's 30 or not, mm-hmm. I, I can't quite say. But um, um, And then, you know, some really good quality, unless you're choosing to go down the vegan or vegetarian path, some really good quality, you know, um, grass-fed meats or organic chicken or good quality fish, etc. which a bit tricky to come by these days, unfortunately. But... um. Interestingly, Canada last year put out a new food pyramid. So, you know, for years the food pyramid in Australia and Western world's been, you know, cereals and grains as the basis and then I think it was fruits and vegetables, dairy or something like that. Mm. But cereals and grains were the the basis. So they put out a new food pyramid. It's actually a plate. And so they've got on the plate, half the plate is plant matter, a quarter of the plate is complex carbs – including quinoa, oats, brown rice, you know, wholemeal pasta or whatever you can cope with, and then a quarter of the plate, good quality protein. And it was fish, chicken, eggs, nuts, seeds, lentils. So a bit more, really more of a Mediterranean style of diet is probably what I think for a lot of us that are are, are well is a good diet to 
sort of follow, but I'm not sure about the 30. Yeah, look, I am most of the time, you know, the matriarch of four little ones and a, and a husband. I'm the shopper and I'm the cook and I'm responsible for what they're putting in their mouths. So yeah. I'm not just feeding myself, <laughs> I'm feeding them as well. You're feeding the next generation, really. I, exactly. And I really struggle myself to eat a variety of vegetables let alone 30 in a day. Like, can you imagine going to the farmer's markets going one, two, three, all the way to 30? It's just <coughs> not going to happen, you know. It's not realistic. But I have discovered that if I start my morning with a cooked breakfast or a smoothie or something like that and I throw in as many as I can, you know, six or seven at a maximum though, um, that still kickstarts the day better than what it would have if I just ran out the door without breakfast, grabbed a coffee on the way, things like that. So starting your day with the, by cultivating those healthy habits really, really would allow us to consume more vegetables as well and in turn our family too. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. I think we need to be like other cultures in the world where they actually have a meal at breakfast, Mm. you know, some protein and some vegetables, not necessarily just the Western idea of cereals and And cow's milk, Mm. which is really really just an idea. It's not how we traditionally ate. Oh, 100%. We had um, breakfast for dinner the other week. It was like bacon and eggs and... I think we had spinach, mushrooms, capsicum, like all of the veggies and all of the yeah. nice foods and we had some sourdough there. The kids wanted to cook my husband breakfast, um, dinner and I was like, well, what can they cook? And they can cook breakfast. So that's what we did. <laughs> and I was like, why can't we have this? This is a perfectly healthy meal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, they did have a ball cooking it up though, which was really cute. But it's definitely those traditional, you know, um, ideas that we can change. We have the ability to change in our house with what we eat because our choice we have control you know absolutely and i think um the other the miracle food at the moment um is bone broth as well Mm. you know for gut health yes and um collagen um you know is so important for skin hair nails everything else as well but people don't realize like our gut wall needs protein and fats yep so you need things like bone broth and a lot of my patients i'm finding it's a challenge. Some people eat too much protein and a lot of my patients aren't eating enough protein mm. to have a good healthy gut wall as well. So good quality proteins and good quality fats and your bone broth is a great way of doing the fats and the collagen particularly. I um, love bone broth. Ch- the Nutri Organics brand, I use that one, the chicken bone broth, have it every day and I absolutely love it. Yeah, well, I reckon, I reckon that's a great. So when you're talking about how to have good gut health for long term, I think incorporating those sorts of good gut health foods in your diet as well mm. um a friend of ours lee holmes has written a series supercharge your gut mm. and um or supercharge series of books but she's got a gut health book that's got some beautiful gut healing recipes in it okay you know, avocado soup and just different things that you can do that you're making healthy food but it's also going to benefit your gut so amazing I think for kids that's the way to go is to try and get them onto healthy gut friendly mm. i might put that well. book in the show notes as well um, Peter, my final question for you is what are five supplements you and I need every day and why? All right. So, um, and again, this is a question I get not all the time because most patients that come to see me already are believers in taking extra nutritional support. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, it's a, it's a question I get sometimes, you know, why do we need to take supplements when we, you know, eat a healthy diet? And it, as we've discovered today, like if, we get a lot of our vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and plant nutrients from a high plant-based diet, and it's hard to get all that in. So number one, um, a really good quality multi that's age-appropriate. So the one I take, unfortunately I hate to say it, but it's a bit of a 
um, an older person's multi. It's anti-aging. It's got um, 1,000 IUs of vitamin D. It's got selenium. It's got some good antioxidants. It also has a decent amount of iodine, which, you know, we need for healthy thyroid as well as skin, breast health, etc. Um, so I take a, a one-a-day really good quality multi. Um, I always take fish oil. And um, we've got a new test that we do that it's just a pinprick, but we can actually measure the amount of omega-3 or fish oil in your red blood cell membrane. And the people that put this test together tested hundreds of thousands of people to come up with the ideal level of or percentage of fish oil in your red blood cell membrane. And then they correlated that with reduced cardiovascular risk and brain health as we age. So um, Dana and I did the test and I thought we ate plenty of fish, but when we did the test, we were both not in the ideal range for where our omega-3 should sit. So we're now both taking fish oil supplements. Yes. Um, I take a probiotic all the time and I keep changing them around. So we get a lot of samples from the companies that we work with. So I'll, we'll do a course of – we have a smoothie every morning, so I'll just crack a probiotic or two. I do two, two capsules, crack them, put them in the smoothie, and then that's us done for the day. Um, and I just keep changing – the balance and changing as, as I finish one brand or one one uh, combination, I'll swap onto another one. So probiotic, um, I'm a big fan. For me, magnesium works really well as well. I take a magnesium powder every day. Mm. Um, the one I'm taking at the moment has withania in it, so it's really good for stress, sleep, um, but energy, not getting cramps and restless legs. And at the moment, I'm taking. Well, I'm taking two more things. Actually, can I go to six? Yeah, go for it. So I'm taking a zinc and vitamin C powder, just um, keeping my immune system up, which I do every winter, and particularly at the moment with what's going on. And I also take a really good quality echinacea. Okay. So herbally echinacea is probably my favourite herb that really helps to keep your immune system more alive and vigilant. But um, it's also, people don't realise, it's also a good adrenal tonic as well. It's what we call an adaptogen herb. So it helps just improve resilience, which I think we all need a bit of a dose of at the moment as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Peter, thank you so much for being a part of today's episode and sharing your experiences and wisdom on here. I know gut health is a topic in my day-to-day with my family and my friends and so many people are still quite shy when it comes to opening up this discussion. So I'm really excited for people to hear this episode and I hope it gives them some insight into their health. For anyone who might like to connect with you, Peter, um, and your services, where can they find you? Um, so it, just through, the, I guess, through the website, mullenhealth.com.au or just Google Mullen Health. Yeah. Um, Social media, you've got Instagram uh, and yep, Facebook. Yep, so we're on Facebook, Mullen Natural Health Centre and Instagram, I think under Mullen Natural Health Centre. Awesome. Um, yeah, so yeah, anyone that wants to get in contact, I'd be more than happy to talk with them. Awesome, well thank you again, Peter. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.